1: Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, and today we're going to talk to Jeff Cook, the Vice President of Residential Lending with Draper & Kramer Mortgage Corporation, father of nine, and born-again follower of Jesus, Jewish follower of Jesus. And I might add one more thing, he's a troubadour. (laughs) We'll explain what that means. I'm an attorney and a partner in the law firm of Mauk & Baker. We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Messiah with its legal needs. We do everything from zoning to estate planning, nonprofit administration, and religious freedom defense. You can find more about us by going to malkbaker.com, that's M A U C K B A K E R.com, or call 312 726 1243. For over 14 years, Jeff has maintained an emphasis on character, clarity, and courtesy for his clients. He sees his role in the mortgage and home buying process as part of caring for the whole person, not just a number. Uh, Jeff's spiritual journey began with him growing up in a Jewish home, abandoning faith altogether as a teen and young adult, and then finally coming to know and following Jesus after longing for something more, Mm -hmm. Jeff, uh, good brother. Good to see you. Thanks for being on our show.
0: Thank you, John. It's really a pleasure to be here.
1: Now as people are listening, they're probably hopefully asking this question. Uh, how did a Jewish kid find Jesus?
0: Such a good question, such an important question. Well, I, I think about my life as a good example of an old Yiddish proverb, uh, which goes, "Der mensch tracht, und gad lacht." I didn't get that one. Would you say that one again? Sure, sure, sure. I'll give it to you in Yiddish first. The Yiddish proverb first of all, "Der mensch tracht, und gad lacht," which means, "Man plans." But God laughs. Amen. Oh, but God laughs. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, my life is is a life in some measure of foiled expectations, but to my for my good and to God's glory. But it started with, I would say the first thing that registered spiritually for me was the uh, synagogue. So we attended, I was raised, as you said, in a Jewish home and two Jewish parents, went to Hebrew school and was bar mitzvahed. You know, we celebrated the Jewish holidays. But a lot of those things were. just
1: in Chicago Yeah, Jeff? this
0: was in the Chicago area, in Deerfield. In Deerfield. That's right.
1: Oh, okay. And uh, observant, but not Orthodox?
0: Well, the synagogue was conservative and was observant, but not Orthodox, but our home was a little bit different, but the synagogue made the first imprint on me, spiritually speaking, particularly the sanctuary, uh, which was, as we know, a set apart place to honor and to reverence this invisible being, which is not exactly a common uh, trait in modern life. So that really caught my attention and uh, made me curious. And uh, but but in my home it was more of a reformed home and not observant and it wasn't like anybody was against God, but he wasn't really the topic of anything. So uh, but curiosity from the synagogue and from the sanctuary that kind of uh, provoked questions uh, in my young life where I would uh, wonder and I would even ask and kind of call out to God if he was there and you know what was going on, especially in the kind of whatever trials and challenges I was experiencing. Uh, but uh, the the Reformed Jewish home and mine was definitely true of this, you know, may not include a lot about God, but it has one core doctrine. Right, social justice. <laughs> there is one doctrine, and it is social justice. And so that was true of my home as well, and uh, that was really branded into me at an early age. I won, one one uh, experience that I'll never forget, which really was branded in my memory, was watching the miniseries Roots, which many of us uh, have seen and, and may remember. And it was about uh, the plight of um, you know the uh, Africans brought over under slavery, and there was a character who experienced a terrible beating, uh, a horrible you know whipping and that uh, was this uh, the African who was being forced into slavery named Kunta Kinte. and that whole scene was extremely um, traumatic for me and my mom had me watched at a very young age so that I would understand what injustice looked like and so that sort of made a deep imprint on me in terms of what my my mission ought to be uh, to begin with.
1: So you're imbued what at age six? Yeah a- six
0: or seven Uh-oh. right
1: with a desire to save the world exactly but, <laughs> and, but- and right right justice to do your part <laughs> to bring healing and and right. uh, and to help people and that's that's, right. that's a very jewish way of looking that's right at the world uh, that's and, right and- particularly Reformed Jewish, is it tikkun I was going to say,
0: that's the it's the echo of the phrase, the traditional phrase, which expresses that, that Jewish uh, passion, which is called tikkun olam, which means the repair of the world, right? And that that is, you know, one of... The primary calling for God's people, the Jewish people, which would be in their outworking of their relationship uh, with God and with people is the repair of the world, the damage that's been done to the world. So that was, we didn't really talk about Tikkun Olam. I learned about that much later, but that was very much that, that the echo of that reverberates down through all, m- many, most Jewish households, even secular Jewish households, reformed. So for me, that was, but in suburban America, there wasn't a lot to do there.
1: This is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk of the law firm Malk & Baker. Today we're talking to Jeff Cook, Vice President of Residential Lending with Draper & Kramer Mortgage Corp., a regular contributor to World News Magazine, Father to Nine Children, with another one on the way uh, this fall. Uh, Jeff... Uh, continue telling us about your journey to faith, you, but uh, you, you're enlisted by, <laughs> by the Spirit, it seems, right. to touch and help the world, to, to somehow be an instrument of God. To touch others.
0: Right. But, where,
1: where does that take you?
0: Well, at first, not very far because I was still living in uh, affluent suburban America. And sort of, by, especially by the time getting to high school, there were not a lot of dragons, you know, to conquer, at least not obvious ones, the ones that I expected, you know. So uh, I kind of succumbed, like so many kids, just to the, the vanity and the emptiness and the foolishness uh, of, of those years. And but eventually, I kind of woke up a little bit, wanted something more. Fell in with a group of people that I would describe as kind of the the echo hippie generation or the neo hippies, which is essentially a group of people that I had found in latter high school and into college who were very interested in uh, in music of the hippie era and also uh, that liked to smoke pot and and kind of in gauge and philosophical speculation and play the guitar perhaps? <laughs> there was a lot of guitar <laughs> play a lot of guitar appreciation in the yeah. beginning of guitar playing for me yeah. right
1: and that's when you that's
0: when you started your, your 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 uh, troubadour that's right uh, second persona okay well yeah. go ahead <laughs> exactly so um you know uh, there's a lot of there's you know the, the hippie subculture and certainly in my experience promises a lot but doesn't necessarily deliver on the on the sense of possibility and mystique but what was more so engaging and interesting was at the same time I was really starting to be affected and learn about the beauty of the natural world. And so I was starting to take trips into the woods and spending weeks at a time in the woods of New Hampshire, hiking along the Appalachian Trail with friends and kind of learning what it was like. Experience that of some something transcendent, you know, how beauty affects somebody. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, wow. When you're out – and you're looking at the grandeur
0: exactly. of the mountains and right.
1: the woods and the sky and the enormity of what god has created it it has to speak to your heart somewhere if exactly. if you have a heart that's open and looking
0: looking for more that's right what i think of it as it sort of was the beginning of pinging of my you know against my soul so that i knew that something was there right and and i was also and that and i could have that same experience with sometimes with art nature very powerfully but also with art that, that was you know beautiful and and majestic and music and even friendship and i remember also thinking that just the rational consideration of the mind if you think if you think about thinking that yeah. is it was not a physical process it may have a biochemical you know signature or component to it but it's not fundamentally thoughts and feelings not th- fundamentally physical so all those things started to help me develop the real, a real understanding and conclusion that there was a spiritual dimension, a spiritual reality to our lives, and that that was even the most important part. And so I was uh, I was definitely getting more interested in that, but at the same time I was getting very uh, uninterested in religion to the extent that I was becoming a passionate and fervent atheist that wanted to debunk uh, all, all and right. destroy
1: oh. <laughs> Well that's a that's a recipe for a collision course. Exactly. You're, you're, you're seeing more and more of God's creation <laughs> and being impacted by it and you're you're going further and further away. So <laughs> so there's a collision coming. Go ahead.
0: That's right. That's right. So I was definitely um it was it was an important thing for me to do to try to find faith and destroy it wherever I could, especially Christian faith because I had the superficial understanding of so many college students about a catalog of of the problems that grew from people of religious faith but none of the None of the good and a deeper understanding. So I was off on that track and, and found that to be really important to me. But one day, right? So I was at, that was part of my questing. But one day I ran into a question, a very important question. So I had a good friend of mine that was also had had followed me through, uh, you know, we had, we had walked together through many of these experiences through the hippie subculture and kind of exploration. But he called me one day and I was a junior in college and he said, you know, I need to tell you that I've come to believe in God and I've come to believe that Jesus is the son of God, which for me was... Was so out there and outlandish that it felt like he was saying, I want to tell you that I believe in aliens and I am an alien. <laughs> it was, it was really that far out there. So I, it I is was, far out. You know? uh, yes, it is. We're <laughs> <It's laughs> <kind of more laughs> peculiar people. <laughs> <laughs> and truly, truly, especially from where I stood at that point. So I, I was horrified and scandalized. I ranted at him for about 20 minutes and, uh, and then he, uh, he listened politely and he asked the question to me, wow, you know, Thanks for sharing what you don't believe, but do you mind telling me what you do believe? Wow.
1: Well, coming up, we will talk with Jeff further about his journey of faith and where this ended up. This atheist who kind of loved God and was seeking. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Mauk, a partner of the law firm of Mauck & Baker. And we're talking with Jeff Cook, Vice President of Residential Lending at Draper & Kramer Mortgage Corp. about his spiritual journey and how that translates to his work. And he's going to give us some hints for those of you that have a job or a calling or work of any kind about how we can bring our faith and the power of faith and the power of the Holy Spirit into the workplace and into our jobs and make them better and uh, glorify God and uh, have greater joy. Uh, Jeff is a, is a brother who's just uh, bubbling with joy uh, right now, even as he's telling us about how he came to Jesus. But where we left off before the break, uh, Jeff, you had a friend who's who betrayed you and came to <laughs> Jesus and so he said, true. I'm no longer on the, <laughs> on the hippie hippie high road. I'm now on, on the, on the path to, uh, Jerusalem.
0: Uh, and what did you say? Uh, yes. So he asked me after my rant against him, what, what do you believe? And that was a fascinating question. It's the question on which my life turned because I has assumed that I knew exactly what I believed. Like most of us, I had traveled through life and, uh, had developed assorted insights on a variety of topics. And somehow I thought this added up to some sort of penetrating understanding about you know, the really most important parts of life. But it took being asked a direct question to finally realize that the moment of epiphany that I didn't know everything about life in the universe. So that was important because a 20-year-old needs that blessed moment of epiphany that they don't know everything. Did you you say that? I did not say that. There's no way I admitted that. I I came up with something and it was not very impressive, but it was something very mystical and vague. (laughs) So he uh, was much more polite than I was and (laughs) did not attack the foolishness and illogic of it. But he so you know he kind of let it pass for the time being, although that was to be continued. But inside, I was um, I was now scandalized at my own self for for now for obviously not having a robust and you know specific understanding that I could share with people. So I decided I had to change that, and I wanted to uh, study a lot more in Eastern mystical thought, but also thought I would actually learn about the Bible as a as a young adult. And go back to that. So I, I enrolled in the Bible as literature course at the university, and I was reading on the side. I was reading a lot of Joseph Campbell and Ram Das. So I was learning about, you know, those ideas about the, that religion is just the expression of the primeval archetypes and stuff like that. And then there was the Bible on the other side. And uh, what was fascinating about the Bible is that I was a literature major, and I just was—I was expecting the book to be, you know, dry as toast and just kind of superficial and easily, you know, dismissed. But what actually happened—a funny thing happened on the way to debunking the Bible—was that I was completely immersed and, you know, engaged in this world of character and story that was far more uh, interesting and. Um, authentic than anything I had imagined. Uh, and then, of course, there's the character of God, which uh, aroused a lot of and curiosity.
1: You know, I feel the same thing, uh, Jeff. I started reading the Bible when I was in law school. Be- I had been a believer, but uh, I-, I didn't really have uh, much biblical grounding. And I said, you know, I-, I think of myself as an educated person, but I haven't read the Bible. Exactly, and, and I think a lot of our listeners who aren't Christians, maybe really, this is a challenge to them. Mm.
0: Uh, look, look it up, read it. Absolutely, if, if, if there's
1: nothing there, what have you got to fear?
0: That's right, and it is the foundation of Western civilization. So at least you'll be, uh, you'll learn a lot. But actually. And there may be a lot more that happens. Anyway, so yeah, so that, that really caught my interest. But I was very unnerved by the actual question, what if this is true? That was not a question I was looking to ask myself. So I shut the book, but I couldn't shut out God's um, voice in all sorts of other ways, right? So there's there's back to the appreciation or the continuing appreciation of, of God's voice in creation. And also I was an, I was a musician at that time and very engaged in the artistic process. And that's also something where you realize that there's a lot of times you feel like you're tapping into something outside yourself. In addition, um, you know, I finally – I had a lot of objections, uh, intellectual objections, but I, I was – I had got back in touch with that friend who had initially shared his his change with me about his belief. And uh, and as I shared a lot of these frustrations and objections that I had intellectually with, um, with religion and, and the Christian faith, he uh, gave me a book, which was to ch- also to change my life, which was C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. And, you know, the most important part of that was that it – C.S. Lewis takes the one, my one doctrine that I really had developed ever since I was a kid, which was that justice is real, and basically says that that is an illusion if there is nothing higher, if there is no lawgiver, and there's, no, there's standard. no authority. There is no authority. There's no, there's...
1: There is no truth.
0: There is no truth, which means that there's no there's no standard by which to measure what is just and what is unjust. And so some people might want to love their neighbor. Other people, as Ravi Zacharias once said, other people may want to eat their neighbor, and there really is no way to arbitrate the difference in that. And so I that was – if you were going to – you know, let go of God, you also ultimately logically had to let go of a sense of objective truth. And that includes justice, a measure of justice. And that was not something that I thought was correspondent to reality. And therefore I was, I still hung on to justice and that led me to accept theism and God.
1: You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm John Malk of Malk and Baker. We're speaking with Jeff Cook and he's telling us about his spiritual journey. He's just come to the intellectual realization that there is God. Then what happened, Jeff?
0: Bring well, it home. Yes. I I, um, I still had not yet made a final decision on Jesus, but I was decided to finally get to the New Testament and actually read it. Even as a Jewish person, you have a lot of trepidation. But I engaged that, uh, to be intellectually honest. And Jesus, of course, there's a few things you realize. Number one, that actually he's Jewish. <laughs> that was a big surprise, Amen. yeah, <laughs> and that he is uh, very much against uh, you know abusive authority. So that appeals obviously to the to the hippie uh, part that was there, and uh, also that he was just amazing, transcendent, sublime. You know that he had truth; he could speak truth in a way that yeah, I've never the, encountered before. You used
1: the word authentic before <laughs> yes.
0: describing the
1: Bible. And, yes, and Jesus is the most authentic
0: uh, person. Mm. of all the universe. That is so true. So I was definitely really drawn. And then finally, but it was still like the Missouri motto, the show me state, you know? And I felt like I couldn't just give myself over to this unless something more. I, you know, I saw something more. So I finally, I, I raised up my first half-baked prayer, which was sort of like a, well, you know, God, if you're there and, you know, uh, Jesus is the way, well, maybe you can kind of show that to me in a way I can understand. So he was amazingly, he was gracious to, um, to respond to that. And there were a lot of things that happened, uh, that intersected time and space in my life to, um, to convince me that he was real. And I always think of it like the cat being caught by the mouse or another way of saying is that God called my bluff that CS Lewis talks about that too. And I relate to that.
1: And God called your bluff. He called my bluff. And in a wonderful way, you've now, uh, then started to follow him. have grown in your faith, have grown in your family. You're you're married with (laughs) 10 kids. That's right. 10th on the way. Not nine plus one on the way. That's right. And, uh, Mortgage broker helping people uh, get loans, get Mm. the right loan for their family, uh, for their future, for their savings, for their kids. Uh, It's a complex business. And
0: does Jesus make a difference? 100%. Yeah, because, you know, when you realize that people are made in the image of God, you realize that people matter and all of life matters. And that's why mortgages matter. And a home, and finding a home, and that wonderful, important milestone. But helping them with that process is—it's it's part of the sacred process of caring for people.
1: And if believers come to you and say, "I, I need help finding a mortgage," do you pray with them, and then and then talk about what does God want for you in your life, not just you know? The interest rate. Right.
0: We have done that as part of the just getting to know one another. And yeah, sometimes it will get, you know, certainly open to that. I love that. And there are opportunities to become explicitly spiritual, which is one of the treasures of, you know, of having that and and wanting to share that with people.
1: Thank you, Jeff, for being with us today. How can people
0: reach you if they need mortgage assistance? They can find me online. And that is at dkmortgage.com slash K-O-C-H. My last name is Cook, but it's spelled K-O-C-H. Okay, oh, I was going to do that, right.
1: It's not C-O-O-K, it's It's, K-O-C-H. That's right. Jeff Jeff Cook, or you can call Draper and Kramer and ask for the Troubadour. (laughs) Uh,
0: Maybe. They might want to throw the name in, but that could get them somewhere. They do know about me. (laughs) Okay.
1: Uh, Jeff, what would you say to somebody who was in your position, uh, today, a listener who's who's searching for God and they, they kind of realize there is a God out there, but mm. they don't know. what. What's your advice?
0: Well, I would say uh, take out the distractions that are so ever-present in life today and in our lives. And so um, subtract maybe a lot of those and some of the extra activities, but also the extra stimulus so that you can focus and Develop that relationship, spend spend a little time with God, but that would, that would be both in prayer and then also studying the word. There's no other, I mean, you know, the means of grace are so, so important because those are the normative ways that we contact and are in contact with God. And so I would definitely recommend those and being, of course, in a group of fellowship, you know, knowing other believers as well.
1: Thank you. Uh, Jeff Cook has been our guest. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Malkin and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243. Let me say that a little slower, 312-726-1243, or you can go to mauckbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, a Christian law firm based in Chicago, which serves churches, ministries, businesses, and individuals. With their legal needs God bless you
0: gonna have to save somebody yes indeed you're gonna have to serve somebody